Welcome to the Grappling Arts Podcast, where we celebrate the art of professional wrestling, explore wrestling practice, and dig deep into wrestling's rich and varied history. Throughout the series, we will be interviewing leading figures from within independent professional wrestling. Topics will include theatre, sport, storytelling, and performance. If you enjoy the series, please subscribe and leave a review. I am your host, Sam West, co-owner of the independent wrestling promotion, Wrestling Resurgence, which is a theatre-led wrestling company based in the East Midlands. You can also find me at Loughborough University, where I'm a doctoral researcher studying storytelling in professional wrestling. My expert co-host is Resurgence Colour Commentator Claire Warden, who is a senior lecturer in English and Drama, also at Loughborough University. She's also the co-editor of the fantastic Performance and Professional Wrestling book. For more information about the podcast and Wrestling Resurgence, look us up on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Welcome to episode four of the Grappling Arts Podcast. Our guests this week are Debbie Keitel and Resurgence regular Shikara. The themes for this episode include the differences between heels and faces, the art of selling, and we discuss the importance of character and character development. Shikara was a little late, so we start with Debbie and then Shikara jumps onto the call about halfway through. As is increasingly the case for the Grappling Arts, we press record as soon as the call starts as we often find the little pre-show chats really interesting. This is the case again with this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you do, please subscribe, leave a review, give us a shout out on social media, and just generally help us promote this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and thank you for listening. Yeah, we ended up sort of getting in, getting into. We were just talking before before you arrived, but we ended up getting into all kinds of really kind of interesting stuff about like background and history and ways into wrestling and stuff, yeah. which was just like not kind of stuff that I would often hear on podcasts and things. Um, yeah. So that was really, um, yeah, it was super interesting uh, just Brilliant. to hear about their kind of diverse ways into into wrestling was really yeah. interesting. So yeah, it's cool. Good. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know, just to see what differences there are in coming, yourself coming from Ireland, like yeah. learning to wrestle in Ireland compared to mm. Shakara who learned in London. Yeah, very different, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long have you been wrestling? Um, about three years. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think Shakara is probably about the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite nice because like Jetta and Erin Angel have been sort of wrestling for forever or seemingly yeah. forever. So like, it's quite nice to have a couple of people who have like been in the past three years and have kind of yeah. looked back in that period. It's quite nice. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, because they both, um, from what I gathered, like hol- the, the holiday camps played quite an important role for them when, when they yeah. sort, of, sort of started coming in. And both of them learned predominantly on the holiday camps. Yeah, Erin Angel spoke in such interesting ways about the holiday camp stuff, which is just like a tradition that I've always admired in lots of ways, like kind of the really kind of pretty hard, hardcore, (laughs) uh, like hard, tough going and stuff. And she just spoke about it like so 
eloquently about like how often they're fighting and uh, just like traveling. Like I was chatting to somebody about the other day and we were saying it's a bit like traveling like a theater troupe, like, yeah. you know, like the old school traveling theater players who used to kind of travel around the country and perform their little shows. It's that sort of setup, which I just find yeah. really, yeah, just very, very interesting. That's how yeah. it works. Yeah. yeah when I first started I was uh, that's exactly what I expected yeah <laughs> <laughs> do they have sort of holiday camp type shows in Ireland or? um they do in the north of Ireland um but they come down and tour the south of Ireland so like there's just one promotion that does it and it's predominantly just kids shows and stuff mm. and they'd run maybe like a Thursday Friday evening and that's pretty much it then I quite like a kids show, so yeah. <laughs> I'm the same. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I really I really like to I don't know, I've always just really enjoyed watching kids watch wrestling, if that makes sense. Like just yeah. um yeah, there's something really kind of lovely about about the way that they can suspend their disbelief in such a in such a wonderful way that adults have to kind of relearn. Like kids yeah. just do it kids just do it naturally. It's really cool. Yeah, exactly. Kids know straight away if they like you or not. Yeah, right. And they'll just respond and they'll tell you. Yeah. Immediately. <laughs> in quite rude ways. <laughs> that they don't like you or they do like you. And like, yeah. I, quite, I just really like the honesty and the authenticity that kids bring to... Uh, it's one of the reasons why, you know, I say speaking from a theatrical background, it's one of the reasons I really like kids' theatres. I used to like doing pantos and stuff. Like, yeah. it's really, really... I really like that. I really like that kind of family thing. And yeah, kind of, same. Yeah, it's, it's really... It's really nice what it's all about, that kind of, yeah, that sort of grassroots entertainment and just yeah. allowing these kids just to have an amazing time and to Definitely. see the heroes and stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I also heard, like, not the reverse, but also um, a couple of trainers I've heard kind of make reference to the idea that, like, kids are really hard to, it's really diff it can be quite difficult to get kids to actually believe in what you're doing. Like, yeah. if, something, if something looks phony, yeah. Like a kid, a kid will have no problem with like calling it out and <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah that's true that is totally true like my nephew I have a five-year-old nephew and he's totally like that all the time like if he doesn't if he, if he's not going with your story he's like nah that's nonsense what you're talking about like I think yeah. kids will just tell you straight like if that's what they think mm. yeah interesting yeah uh, Shikara's just messaged me to say that she's running a little bit late she's okay. um, stuck in some traffic I think I think what I said is maybe um, we'll just we'll just start recording and because it's on Zooms, Shakara can just jump in. Yeah, if that yeah, works cool. for everyone. Cause I don't yeah, want yeah, no, I'm yeah, I'm enjoying our chat already. So this is <laughs> yeah. how it, this is how it generally works. Sam and I just do like a recording. <laughs> like we, when we get in, we just sort of hit record, and then Sam uses whatever pearls of wisdom come <laughs> out of everyone's mouths at various points in the couple of hours we have together. So yeah. That's <laughs> Put me on the spot then. I've got to. Yeah, yeah, up. I know. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> Live up to that billing. Yeah, I know that was um, that was got high billing. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so we'll just we'll just we'll say that we've started, which is the yeah. has become the normal grappling arts way is to just start. <laughs> um, so yeah, in that in the spirit of that, um, Debbie, I was wondering whether you could firstly um, give us a bit of a kind of um, origin story. Um, so how you got into how, how you got into wrestling in terms of like as a fan if you were a fan before becoming a wrestler um, yeah and that that kind of early what you kind of early experiences of wrestling why you decided that you, it was something that you wanted to pursue um, okay cool yeah. so I um, 
a big fan of the Attitude Era and that would have been when I started wrestling. So I'd say I kind of started sporadically watching, I'd say around 96, 97. And it was kind of on in the background in the evening. My brother would be watching it and I'd be like, oh, what's that? And then he would, oh, wrestling. And I'd be like, all right, okay. <laughs> and I never really took any heed of it. And then I remember one day this like monstrous woman was on the TV and it was China. And I was like, oh my God, women do this. And my brother was like, duh, yeah. And I was like, okay. So I just started watching it then. And I was just obsessed with her. I just like all like she was in there wrestling Jericho and all the guys. And I was like, oh my God, when I grow up, I'm going to be just like her. I'm going to grow to be six foot. I'm going to be huge. I'm going to have muscles. And I didn't do any of that. <laughs> but um, I just became obsessed with it. And I just love the storylines. And I started getting really into promos, like watching Goldust and Mankind. And I used to get my brother to record like my promos in my bedroom. And like, I'd do all like spooky makeup and stuff and think I was so cool. And then my mom would walk in being like, what's going on? <laughs> But um, yeah, I was really into the theatrical aspect of it all, the entertainment side of things. And I loved characters. Anyone that could pull me in with a story, I loved. Um, and then I kind of I kind of drifted off once I started kind of going into um, the kind of John Cena period. I kind of drifted away from wrestling. And I was going into secondary school, you know, had to, you know, grow up, I suppose. And um, it wasn't until I actually was working in New York. I moved to New York when I was 24 and I was working as a TV broadcaster and I was sent to a casino where there was some kind of um, like a Comic-Con on. And um, I was going around and I was just asked to go around and interview all these kind of celebrities that would have been famous kind of during maybe the 70s or the 80s. And I was just walking around and I interviewed a couple of people. And the next thing I just see Noelle Foley kind of roaming the hallway. And I was like, I recognize her. And I was like, there's no way. And then I looked at the poster and Mick Foley was advertised for Comic-Con. So I was like, I, I'm going to get an interview with Mick Foley. So I walked in and I queued up and the cameraman was like nobody's gonna care about this why we waste our time I was like I care about this <laughs> so um we queued up and um when we got there we asked could we have an interview and he was like yeah of course no problem he was so lovely and just um dying to chat with us and so was Noel and when he heard my accent he was like where are you from and I was, I said, oh, I'm from Galway. And he was like, wow, an actual Galway girl. And then he started singing Galway girl. And um, <laughs> then we just kind of got talking about wrestling. And he kind of said, well, you seem like you were a big fan of it back in the day. How come you never, you know, did anything about it? And I was like, oh, like for me to, to want to be a wrestler would be like telling my parents I wanted to be a princess. It just, it wasn't feasible. There was nothing like that back then. And he was like, and would you ever think about getting in, getting into it now? Like, you've got a great look, you know, you can talk. Is that something that you'd be interested in? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I feel like I was like, I just kind of thought like, you know, when you're older, you know, jumping off things and flips are a lot scarier than when you're a kid doing it off your bunk bed. Um, but I thought to myself, you know, maybe it could be something I look into. And he talked about how his friend Diamond Alice Page was like 35, 36. So he was like, it's never too late you could definitely start and he goes I know a, a wrestler and he has a school in 
Ireland. And I was like, what? You can do this in Ireland? So it was actually Mick Foley that told me about <laughs> the school that I ended up training at, which I just is mind boggling to me. Um, so we left anyway, and we took a picture and we left. And I think a year later is when I actually started training um, when I moved back to Ireland. But I decided to kind of test the waters while I was still living in New York. And I went to uh, House of Glory. Um, we're hosting kind of a, a call for, for potential wrestlers. And I made it as far as the gate outside. And I was like, nope, <laughs> too scared. <laughs> Um, but I moved home and, you know, a lot of things changed and my mother got really sick. So I ended up kind of looking after her for a while. And while I was at home, I kind of had to rethink my career path and everything like that. I was like, while I have some downtime, I might as well just go try this. So I ended up going to the Five Factory Pro Wrestling School, which was actually founded by Finn Balor. And that's who Mick was talking about. And I remember rocking up to the gym thinking you know there's going to be a ring you know it's going to look you know really professional I had the PC in mind I was like it's going to be exactly the same and then I walked in and it was like this little shed with shutters and blue mats on the fl on the concrete floor damp walls I was like oh my god what have I done and then I arrived at the door and he was like you're here for the rest and I was like oh I don't know <laughs> and he was like come on just jump in and that was my trainer, Phil Boyd. And I jumped in and within 45 minutes, I was hooked. I just, I wanted to be there as much as possible, but it, it would take me, I would spend eight hours traveling up and down just to train. So like, it was really draining, but um, I made it every week until eventually I was like, okay, I just need to do this full time. So I ended up quitting my job, moved to Dublin, started training full time. And then the rest is history. Wow, that's such a cool story. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like I mean, I use the word origin story, like origin story, but that's like full on kind of yeah, like a proper origin story. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, Can I ask a question? I just like, I'm really intrigued because like you're talking about China being like your kind of role model in women's wrestling. I find that super interesting because I feel like a lot of um, a lot of like wrestlers that I speak to, like women wrestlers I speak to, will quite rightly, by the way, say that they were either Lita or Trish. Yeah. Uh, like, are you Lita or Trish? Um, like, I, 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 I like Trish, but like other people like Lita, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but like, China is a really interesting choice as being like the kind of fe like the female role model in wrestling. I just wondered if you could talk a little bit more about that because obviously she's such kind of an amazing innovator uh, in women's wrestling. As often I feel kind of overlooked um in kind of the history of women's wrestling for everything that she did so i just wonder if you could talk a little bit about your about how you view her really yeah sure um to be honest like when i was a, like when i was younger and I, I mean still let's be honest still to this day i always kind of struggled with my weight and i looked at the likes of trish and Lita, and i was like obviously they're absolutely gorgeous but um, I just kind of felt like i wasn't like them i was a tomboy i played sports i played football I played rugby, I did martial arts, you know, I didn't really, I wasn't really into like, I suppose, girly things at the time. And I just didn't find any characters that I could relate to. And then when I saw China, I was like, oh my God, she's so cool. Mm -hmm. And the idea that she could kick ass against guys like that, I don't know, I think I was just pulled in and it kind of made me feel like, okay, it's normal to, you know, you know, to 
you know, to be strong. It's normal to play against the guys because when, when I was growing up, there was no such thing as female teams in any sport. Mm. So I always had to play against the guys, but I never, ever got to play an official match or anything like that because you weren't allowed mm. so when I saw this woman like in a ring like beating up all these guys I was like oh I, I can do I can you know and it was really motivating mm. so I don't know I think she just drew me in and like later on then when her storyline with Ivory uh, that was my favorite feud and then mm. when she started getting into the Eddie Guerrero stuff I just it was so entertaining and as I was, I was getting older I was just getting more invested in her and stuff mm. yeah yeah, that's really, that's really cool. I totally appreciate that feeling of like, kind of, kind of looking up to a woman as somebody who can like hold, hold their own with the guys. I totally yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wonder, you talked about um, kind of playing wrestling as a child and um, recording promos and that sort of thing, coming up with characters, doing the makeup, that side of things. Um, when you when you started training, was was there any did that kind of um, the memories of that sort of childhood play and stuff like that come back to you? Like because I because I've had a little bit of experience in wrestling classes and it, and it totally reminded me of that sort of um, you know play fighting as a child and that side of things. So I wondered whether that whether that was something that kind of resonates. Or... Yeah, definitely. Like I remember when I. I think it was like my second or third class we had to cut promos and you just you're so like un it's so uncomfortable to like be a grown-up and like let the walls down and let people in and be vulnerable and like allow people to see you mess up and as a kid you don't care you don't even know you're messing up you're just saying these things and you know it doesn't matter but as an adult you just you critique everything that comes out of your mouth so it's it's something you really have to just like stop and just let it happen and I remember when I cut my first promo like it was like a direct copy of something that like Ivory or Victoria would have said and like it just reminded me of being a kid and how much I wanted to do this as a kid and now like being a grown-up and years and years later actually doing it 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 honestly makes my promos more emotional because I connect to that level as a kid where you know it's all I ever dreamed of so I find it I find it easy to connect emotionally when it comes to promos because I just remember what it was like being a kid cutting them and wanting to do this so bad do you um you mentioned kind of sports and kind of athletic training and things like that did you have, did you do any kind of dramatic training or theatre kind of stuff before starting wrestling? Yeah, there was a point where like every weekend it was like, okay, right, we have to go to rugby, then we have to go to Gaelic, then we have to go to soccer, then we have to go to Kung Fu, then we have to go to this. And then eventually I was like, oh, I'm kind of, it was like a turning point. It was like, I, I don't want to keep doing what the guys are doing. I want to like, I want to do stuff like I want to be a singer. I, I'm ready to start acting now. And my mom was like, oh my God. Um, she was like, okay, well, we'll enroll you in speech drama and we'll see how you get on. And then I started it and I loved it because you could just be silly all the time. And I got to do like promos. And I remember um, reciting a Goldust promo um, as my audition and my teacher was horrified. She was like, why do you know what that, what that is? Like, <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> and um, like, we used to have to bring in like inspiration boards and like, it'd be like Goldust, Mankind, Rowdy Piper. And my teacher would just be like, what is wrong with this girl? Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. 
Oh, yeah, sorry. I think that like that kind of theatrical, like if you ha I think um, I can think of quite a lot of wrestlers who kind of really benefit from having that theatrical background. I think it's really, it can be really helpful to have had that moment where, as you say, like you can just kind of be silly, be someone else, be yeah. like a different character and that kind of, and that becomes something that comes quite naturally. I think you can, I yeah. think it's really beneficial for wrestlers. For sure. I think some people feel the need to be so serious all the time and it just, it almost holds them back. They, they're so uncomfortable, like opening up and letting go for just 30 seconds, like a minute of just letting go and just opening up. They're so afraid that like, you know, they might be taken seriously. And I think, you know, when, when I moved to New York, you know, I had to do so many interviews and stuff like that on the fly on live television and you know you mess up and you mess up and eventually you just know like what works and what doesn't work mm. and like when you hum humiliate yourself on you know national television <laughs> you don't really <laughs> mind doing it in front of 20 people <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting because you almost like it, it kind of sounds to me like you're in the perfect job these all, all these different experiences um because wrestling is such a kind of hybrid of different things it just sounds like wrestling's got all of the, all all of those little things that you've described, like this kind of sports elements, the martial arts, the um, the direct dramatic work, the you know the fandom as well, and mm -hmm. um, and your wrestling's got all of that, all of that in one thing. Yeah, it was as if I was trying to, you know, take different pieces of wrestling and try them out, and then at the very end, I realized, you know, I just wanted to be a wrestler. I I kind of put my foot into all these different avenues and stuff like that and then eventually it happened so I suppose it worked out <laughs> yeah. when um so I was really interested by some of the names that you mentioned like gold dust mankind China when you started when you were kind of in into that training process and you were starting to think about uh, being on shows and stuff like that what how how far back did your kind of character the, the Debbie Cartel kind of um uh, femme fatale kind of persona when when did that sort of start to come to mind um, um i think two years in i kind of i was like the jig is up people like my first my first persona character was like a 90s kid you know everyone starts off wanting to be a rocker or a punk rocker and everyone's like don't do that everyone tries that and no one can actually succeed doing that no one cares about a girl from the 90s I was like I'll be different <laughs> and of course I wasn't and I was like the jig is up I'm like almost 30 years old I can't dance around like I'm a kid because I'm not and um, my my best asset is my voice and talking and I cannot pretend to be younger than I am. So the gimmick just didn't work. And I absolutely love, um, love, love, love Quentin Tarantino movies. And I was watching death proof and like all these kind of female roles that were really empowering and strong. And I was like, I want to do something like that. And um, yeah, the character kind of just fell into place naturally. I just slowly started changing my look. I started like changing my promo style, my in-ring style. And then eventually I just found something that worked for me that was believable and people cared about as opposed to something that felt so forced. Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned Tarantino. And um, just because uh, like, so... Um, I'm gonna, so in terms of resurgence, um, I remember you contacted us, in, I think it was maybe like six or seven, well actually no, because 
I keep forgetting because of the pandemic, there's this whole chunk of time that's passed that it's not accounted for. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was like six months ago. And then I realized <laughs> we've been in lockdown for six months. But um, you, anyway, you contacted us, I think it was something like six months before you actually debuted for Resurgence. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had this, you sent us like a really impressive kind of um, package of different things like uh, match samples, promo photos, uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I, I was kind of aware of your work. Um, I hadn't actually seen anything, I don't think. I was kind of aware that you were at a certain standard, that you were on OTT regularly, that you were in EVE regularly. And I think the first match I watched was the match with Raven Creed, which is the one that I think Claire's watched as well. Yeah, I have. In yeah. preparation for this. And as soon as the entrance music played, um, what, which I'll come back to what, what the track is, because I couldn't remember what the name of the track was. But as yeah. soon as it played um, and you made your entrance, I was like, yeah, we've got, we've, this is someone we need to book for resurgence. <laughs> Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Just just based on that, and I, I wonder, what, what is the track? And... Um, it's actually from uh, the movie Death Proof. Uh, there's right. a scene where um, one of the characters um, is dared to um, give a lap dance to Stuntman Mike, and she does, and she plays this song, and it's called uh, Down in Mexico by the Coasters. I remember hearing that, and I was like, that's so cool. I'd love to come out to that. And I was a baby face at the time. And I was like, oh, if I came out to that, no one would get it. No one would care. And then the minute I was like, no, I'm changing everything. I was like, that's the song I'm going to use. How, how important is making that kind of first impression, that first connection with the audience? It's so important, especially for someone that's so new to try and connect. Because people are, there's people that have been around for years and people know their work. But when you're brand new, it's important to grab them, in my opinion, from the get-go. And I always, I'm always very clear that like, whilst I've only been training three years and my wrestling is improving year after year, my character is what makes me. So I always say, like, for me, I want to connect from the get-go with the audience. And that's why I always kind of try and come up with some sort of dramatic entrance. Claire, what were your thoughts on seeing uh, that? So, yeah, I just, I'm really interested in this, like, um, in this kind of combination of art forms that you're playing around with. So, like, there's the, obviously, like, the cinematic, especially, like, the Tarantino. Now you said sort of Tarantino, I can totally sort of see the aesthetic. And, like, um, but at the same time, there's this sort of, like, kind of deeply theatrical, like, live performance theatrical stuff. So you're talking about kind of the lap dance thing, which is, like, obviously, like, such a, uh, kind of quintessentially kind of live performance moment you know yeah. uh, and wrestling's kind of ongoing connections with things like the burlesque and stuff like that so I'm just really interested in this that like the, the way that I suppose wrestling and one of the things I'm always really interested in the way that wrestling kind of brings together all sorts of different art forms mm-hmm. and kind of allows you to express bits of lots of art forms so I wondered if if that was sort of how you were envisaging it I guess that you're kind of combining all these things that you love together all these things you admire together definitely like I wanted my entrance to look like like something you'd saw see from the movie burlesque like something Cher would do just something very flamboyant and dramatic and then the the minute I walked out all eyes would be on me and I just want I just wanted that dramatic moment (laughs) for my entrance Yeah. yeah you can really you can really feel that and I think in that match in particular the one with Raven Creed I think like when I was sort of making some notes about it, I was talk, sort of comparing your characters. And I think that match 
works really well because of the profound difference in characters between you, which I imagine that you talked about, but like it just, it, it, it works brilliantly because it's got these like two totally different aesthetics, totally different mannerisms, like the bodies, the way the bodies move, your bodies move is like totally different. And so I guess that was sort of part of the whole match, I suppose, like it's playing on those differences, isn't it? Definitely. Like me and Raven, like always laugh about this because we were so serious when we started out. Like we both kind of, she had been wrestling before me, but we both kind of came up together in OTT. We were feuding for like over a year. And um, we always kind of, we were always very character based. All our matches had moments as opposed to high spots. We always wanted to make that emotional connection. We wanted a reaction from the audience that was more emotional than, you know, oh, I can do this really cool spot and I'm going to get a clap for it. We just wanted to connect emotionally because that's what we were obsessed with was uh, characters and development and emotions and stuff. So when we were planning a match, it was always so easy because she's so raw and rugged. And then I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm, I don't know, like kind of like a burlesque dancer and quite like sexy in my movement and stuff like that, that the two combinations just kind of work together because we were just complete opposites. Mm. Yeah, I'm always really intrigued by these moments of like opposites in wrestling that work really, really well. Like um, sometimes it works well because you've got two people who are quite similar who fight each other, but often yeah. when the matches that I think about and kind of, um, kind of love the most in my mind like I've, I've kind of you know two totally different styles of wrestling or like totally different aesthetics of wrestling or whatever coming together and clashing and there's something kind of yeah. quite beautiful about that I think yeah definitely yeah. yeah yeah and that's um I think as well something that your character lends itself to is when people when people like I guess ourselves um other companies I think OTT as well do this if you've got such a kind of um, defined character, aesthetic style, then that just kind of, that, that gives people that are running companies or people that are producing wrestling shows, it just gives them ideas because it's like, it's like casting a movie, isn't it? To go back to the cinematic, like if you've got, well, there's this character, Debbie, Debbie Cartel, who's you know incredibly um, well-defined and has this aesthetic and appearance style. And then you've got, ooh, well, we've got, we've got someone like Raven Greed on our roster. And you, you, you know, it's, it becomes it becomes really easy and pleasurable to start putting together wrestling shows when you know you've got strong characters that you can kind of work with and combine and things like that. Definitely, that, like like sorry, you said, it is it is like scripting a movie as opposed to a match because you know exactly mm -hmm. how we're going to pull the audience in. You know the moments we're going to create, and like when you're working with a promoter that's invested in that side of things as well, is always great. Like Joker Bray is really really good when it comes storylines and working with characters he knows how to kind of showcase that and he was very open to us kind of relaying you know this is where I'm going with my character and Raven was kind of this is where I'm going um how can we we kind of um run with this without it becoming like ridiculously repetitive because um we were kind of feuding for a very long time and he was just open to you know me just going so far left with promos and raven you know going deep into the woods doing her promos he was just so open to all the dramatics so yeah yeah i wondered if like you could talk a little bit about playing a baddie um and like what it is about playing a heel because like so sam and i were having a little chat beforehand uh, and it's something i've always been really interested in 
um, is like people who play baddies well do you know what I mean mm-hmm. and like who can who can embody that and I suppose it's like trying to get that response from an audience that boos you for all the right reasons and mm-hmm. I just wondered if you could maybe just talk a little bit about about the kind of the art I suppose of of playing a heel um, and what are some of the things that you have to consider as you play this kind of the bad character mm-hmm. one thing I, I like to consider um, is the fact that you have to kind of stay in character and when if for for example with the raven creed few like we wouldn't follow each other on social media we wouldn't talk on social media we wouldn't have a match and then say oh it was great working with you you know none of that we kept it like as real as possible and that kind of helped us as characters as well kind of build a feud and i think playing the bad guy I mean, I find it easier than being playing the good guy purely because I'm playing a character. So I have no problem saying the things that I would say or doing the things I would do because I know when I go home that that wasn't me, if that makes sense. So it's like a disguise. And when you're in disguise, you know, you're not afraid to humiliate yourself. You're not afraid to push boundaries. You're not afraid to say things that you wouldn't normally say. And I think you know you can hide behind that and push boundaries and get reactions and like for for me it was about the look like I created a look that people would just want to hate and with like my with my makeup my hair my entrance like I would get I would get booed out of the place before I even stepped into the ring and I just loved like being able to do that without having to do anything but walk (laughs) Um, I remember doing a show not too long ago where I walked out with a coffee cup and I just looked at a girl and she literally got up and left. Like, and being able to do that because your character is so strong. Like, I love that. That just makes me want to push boundaries even more. But um, yeah, I, I love playing the villain. I just, I've, I find it so much easier to be the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think, we'll keep an eye out, but I think we might be joined by Shakara in a minute. Oh, so, yeah, here we go. Interesting. Yeah, perfect timing. <laughs> that was perfect timing. <laughs> Hello? Car- oh, connecting audio. You can carry on talking just in case it connects. Oh, there we go. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Sorry this about is, that. This is like a resurgence booking, isn't it? Eliminate <laughs> <laughs> everything, apparently. <laughs> So it's the classic messenger conversation while while running the show. Where are you? Oh, <laughs> what, what did I even text? I was like, did it, even, it make sense? So yeah. Oh, Stuck look, in. I'm 15 minutes away. Apparels, mate. <laughs> <laughs> We've totally uh, missed the resurgent show. So this is just like reenacting it for us tonight. So that's that's nice. <laughs> So you're, you're coming straight in live to the podcast, um, Shikara. So we are recording. That's perfect, um, 100%. You've come in at quite a good time without wanting to kind of jump, drop you in the deep end. We were just talking about the, uh, what it's like to play a bad guy, like a heel. Right. Um, or the villain. Um, and Debbie's just been describing um, that process and obviously predominantly performs that role. And I know I'm interested in your role as a heel because you were a heel in nearly all of the places I think that you worked until relatively recently. So I wonder yeah. if you could talk a little bit about um, about your experience of being a heel, and then maybe how you became not a heel. And what uh, that was like. 
So from training, I was, I was, I was always told, all right, you should be a hill. You should be a hill. You have, you have that sort of demeanor about you should be a hill. I was like, okay. And then I, and then I, when I, I always, at the beginning when I started training, I always wanted to be a face. I always wanted to be the good guy. Um, and sort of like John Cena, you know, but like definitely not, obviously. But in, in that sense, it was like, when I started, when, when I started doing like in-ring training and doing like, you know, practice matches and I started getting into the character and taking inspiration from other um, like wrestlers that I watch, you know, like the bad guys and stuff. Like I really got into my own element with it. And um, I felt confident. I felt confident in being something I wasn't. In that, in that sense, like me as a person, I, I hope that hopefully this is true, but I'm not. I'm not a horrible person in that sense. So, like to be to, to to have that to have that moment or have that 20 minutes in the ring where like I could be the bad guy and just be whoever I want and get away with it was always so fun to me. Um, but then turning turning face. Um, was a big deal for me because it was a chance to show people my other side because everyone in the UK who's what come to watch my shows or come, who've come to see me, they know me as the bad guy. I've always been a bad guy, you know, I've always been the bad guy. So like when I had that, um, when I had that chain, when, when obviously when me and Candy Floss, we had that um, breakup, it was, was quite a turning point for me. Um, and then obviously having an opportunity to face, you know, like people like Mills and Doris, stuff like that. And establish myself as the good guy. Um, it really helped boost my confidence. Cause I wasn't confident in being the good guy anymore. Cause I never knew how to do it. I literally learned on the spot. Um, for instance, like with Riptide, and when I when I when I did that, when I did my face change with Big Swole, that was a big thing for me because I was I was I wasn't confident on the first night. I wasn't at all um, because I didn't know how people would react to me. I was hearing things about how people I can't wait to cheer me and da da da. But I, I didn't I didn't see that for myself. So when that did happen and people started noticing me as a, as a good guy now, it really did boost my confidence. And I'm I like to th- I like to think I'm more I'm still confident as a heel, but I'm now even more confident as a as a good guy. Let's say. De- Debbie, as someone who I think still predominantly plays the heel. Are you, I know that you've, you've kind of worked, started working in a little bit more kind of comedy into, into stuff that you've done, like some of the Eve stuff. And then even with us, when you, when you debuted, you did the kind of coffee spot with Spike, um, so this, which went down really well, so the kind of comedy element. Do you think that's maybe the start of where you, could, where you might start to see Debbie becoming more of a heel, uh, more of a face kind of character? Yeah, I, de- I definitely think so. I think the turning point was when woe queens did wrestle queendom and dan reed announced okay so these guys are the heels these are the guys are the faces and woe queens leave them alone don't tell them to do anything they are just the woe queens <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> this is the turning point um yeah i do i i i love to make people laugh and i just i feel comfortable in this kind of new comedy space that i'm in um it just it's it's more entertaining for me as well um and it's just something that i'm exploring and i'm just enjoying the process at the moment and <laughs> um, i wonder because shikara you've, you've entered in at this point um if you could we've kind of done a bit of background to to debbie and her roots and ways into wrestling her kind of origin story i was wondering if you could just share uh, a little bit about how you how you got into wrestling, your kind of um, earliest sort of inspirations and that, that side of things. So uh, I started watching wrestling from young. My mum was a big fan of wrestling, um, huge fan actually. 
and um, that sort of inspired me. My, me and mum used to watch WrestleMania every year at home on the TV, and um, that was before I really knew what wrestling was. But I was so entertained by the entertainment side of it. That makes sense. So just like the, the, you know how big the deal WrestleMania is. So just that, just just that occasion happening. I didn't really know what, what the hell was going on. But like then it, once I got older and older and I watched it more and more and more, then I realised like, oh my God, this is quite cool. And I told my mum when I was like 11, 12, when I started getting to know what wrestling was about. I said, I want to be a wrestler. I want to do what they do. Because um, like I didn't take my inspiration from what I watched WrestleMania. What I did was just take it on my own accord to research it. So and then I found, then I came across TNA. And then TNA was what inspired me to become who I am today. Um, so like my, my biggest inspirations are the people people. So Velvet Sky and Angela Love. They were the two people that I loved. I loved them so much. I thought they were hot. I thought they were, they were good. I thought they were pretty and they were, doing, they were killing the game. They were doing something that I've never seen any girl do before. And that really inspired me. Um, and a lot of the, you know, back in the day of TNA, like a lot of the storylines they did were so enticing. Like uh, I loved Sting. Like I loved Sting. Like Sting. Like if 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 you're gonna ask me, like who would I who who do I remember first? My first sort of like, you know, memory of wrestling in the sense of like what inspired me. It was Sting, and what inspired me was um, his his role as playing the Joker at the time in TNA. Um, so he was like this crazy dude, and he was and he he was interpreting and, and mimicking the Joker, like the, the actual character. And I thought, how did this guy come from? a to b like how did he do it? and he did it so well he played it so well and it really inspired me and to this day it still it still sticks in my mind about how he just became this evil enticing character effortlessly mm-hmm. and that's what sort of inspired me to become a wrestler as well um and then from there i just took that and then as soon as you know, 10 15 it was my literally my it was literally just like an obsession up until mm-hmm. i turned 15 and then started training and then from then on i'm here so that's sort of my sort of background into how I got into wrestling, what inspired mm. me. I like, um, I'm really, I'm for, for both, sort of a question for both of you, I think, but like I'm sort of riffing off, off Sting actually, but like um, I'm, I'm, we, we talked a little bit about uh, kind of um, with Debbie about like how you present yourself as a character. And um, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued about like, the makeup that you guys use and the costume that you use and um, I, I just as you mentioned Sting there I was like oh yeah of course that's kind of a connection a really strong kind of connection between you two is like the particular kind of costume and look kind of makeup look and stuff like that that you use uh, as you as you wrestle and I wondered if either of you had anything to say about where those inspirations c- came from and the importance of kind of makeup and costume to the character that you're playing. It's for either. Sorry, I should have, I should actually direct that to somebody, shouldn't I? <laughs> um, Debbie, see if you want to go first. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't do a very good leading job there. <laughs> um, for me, the, the look is, is based off femme fatale, kind of 1950s Hollywood glamour. And I just thought the the makeup I chose was very important for the character that I wanted to play. And even like when I talk about how I was kind of obsessed with Goldust, like Shakara was obsessed with Sting, the costume element of it is so important. How you pose, you know, how you walk to the ring. Like I'm so influenced, you can tell by my walk by Goldust and how he kind of walked slowly to the ring. There was no urgency. He was taken in every second and making the people want to see more. And I just think, that's something that I've definitely tried to kind of embody myself and 
with the whole makeup thing as well it's a way to stand out and separate yourself from others as well so like you know huge dark eyes bright red lips lashes as long as people's legs like you know it's just the dramatic elements don't have to just be in the ring you can put it like in your look as well yeah yeah same question shikara i don't know if you had any thoughts about that well like for me like I so Sting always had like this really cool look about him and like when I started in wrestling I I was just very plain Jane I was just Chikara like I literally had Chikara on my gear and that was right here it was, it was like purple and that was it like I don't like purple do you know what I mean <laughs> I didn't know I didn't, I didn't know who I was um like until progress unboxing where I thought you know what right I'm 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 doing this show. I have so say so, seventeen so at the time. I was like, I'm doing this massive show. No one knows I'm coming out. Why not take the opportunity to change who I what I am and how I look like? Everyone knew me with just like, you know, normal like red hair, black hair, you know, sh- sh- you know, crap gear, whatever. And then I thought, you know what, let me just let me just turn myself into something that I like. I said, All right, cool. And I was I was I was thinking about stuff that I, what inspired me. I'm like, do you know what? I keep saying, like, goddess, goddess. I'm like, all oh, right. So people say, oh, you know, like, uh, golden skin. Like, you know, maybe get like the blonde hair. It's like, do you know what? What a bit of golden goddess? That'd be brilliant. <laughs> so yeah. I, then I thought, golden goddess. I was thinking, all right, the Egyptians time. And obviously, I remember doing Egyptian, um, studying Egyptians, um, like history in school. And I, I remember going to the museum and was um, inspired by. Was that was. Sorry, what's that beeping noise? Yeah, it's a really loud beep. <laughs> it wasn't just you, Sam, you're right. <laughs> oh, it's my Mac. Oh, my God. Oops. <laughs> I thought it was like, the first one sounded like some kind of clever sound effect because you were talking about, like, <laughs> coming up with your character idea and then the like, bell rang. Yeah. <laughs> Do not disturb. Right. You're okay. good. Right, we're back. Sorry, guys. Sorry for anyone watching. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So I studied Egyptian stuff. I remember going to the museum and I remember looking, um, when I went there, I it was the National History Museum in London. Mm. And then um, there was this thing about Tutankhamun. So I remember all that stuff about all the um, goddesses stuff like that. I was like, you know what? Why don't I just use this and take inspiration while with, with respect, take inspiration mm. and go ahead with it and use that inspiration and apply it to what I love which is wrestling and so obviously I pay respect with it you know I've got that I had the eye of Horus on my gear different mm-hmm. Egyptian symbols um and uh yeah I, I, I just took it and I took a spin, a, a spin on it and um that's why I'm the golden goddess today just because I learned it in school <laughs> you know I, mean? I want something different and that's what really popped to me really yeah it's cool um shakara i wonder if um so like your match with big swole that we watched how what was it like when when the crowd turned with you like how much is because obviously in the, in the second match you're you had an objective, right? So Riptide have told you that they want to turn you into a babyface. So the goal of the match is to go from that heel character that the fans know to being a babyface at the end of it. How, how much do you plan for something like that? And how much is it sort of just left to chance in a way? Like, 
yeah, what, what, what did you and uh, Swole, what was that conversation backstage before the match? How did you kind of go about that task and where were the kind of risks and things like that involved in it? Well, the, the, what was hard was a few things that I didn't know her personally. I didn't know her personally. I couldn't really just DM her and be like, oh, so I'm so excited. Like, I, don't, I didn't know her. Do you know what I mean? Like, she's 10 times bigger than I am. So that was one thing. No, another thing that is I knew her, I knew of her before. I've watched her stuff before. So therefore, I, I was nervous. There was so, so it's already two different emotions. And then it, it was literally like, I, I, I was guessing stuff like, okay, I'm watching her YouTube stuff. And I'm thinking, all right, that could work. Hoping that's still her moveset. <laughs> like, it could have been completely different at this point. And in that sense, I was just really just hoping, you know, that she'd be nice. And I was uh, like, I've got so much anxiety. So just like meeting someone new, especially someone that's, you know, big and successful. Like I'm thinking, oh my God, like, why is she even wrestling me? Like I'm a nerd. And, um, but when, when I, when I, when, when we met, it was amazing. She was so nice. She knew I was nervous. So she really, did, she really did take her time with me. Um, and she really, put an effort because I really cared I really cared that night like I really cared like that in a sense well in what I meant what I mean by that is in like this match is the make or break of me like in the sense where I'm gonna turn face where I've been healed for nearly two years and they've got to believe it and if they don't believe it then I've not done a good job and that's gonna be on me at the end of the day because Everyone knows that Big Swole can work. Everyone knows that Big Swole's good. So I've got to prove myself. And if I don't do that, I'm going to embarrass myself. And that was, that was, and it may not have been that deep, really, but in my head, it was deep in that sense, you know? And, um, but I was, but Swole really taught me to slow down. And she taught me how to just be in the moment. And like, that's why I cried on the second night because I was in the moment. She taught, and I was, I was emotional because I thought, Two things. Thank God that's done. And secondly, oh right, you know what? I did all right because Swell said in the ring like, "You did good, kid." I was like, "Did I?" She's like, "Yeah." Like, ah, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was really good responses on online. Um, I think it really start. I think it really um, really pushed me to be the next level. And I think those few months was really good for me because I, I was on a roll. I felt like I had like Connor Mills that really boosted me. And I, obviously I had Elijah that boosted me. Then I had Big Swole and then I had uh, Darice and then stuff like that. It, just, it was, everything was just big matches happening at, all at the same time. And I was, it, it, I had no choice but to go hard mm. in that sense. So, yeah. Um, Debbie, I wonder, so one of the things that, meant that that match that Shikara just described worked so well was her relationship to the Riptide fans and, and Riptide as a company. Is that something that you can kind of relate to in terms of OTT? Yeah, definitely. Um, when so, I, I think when it comes to like working off character and stuff like that, you do kind of, as the match is happening, you fall into... It, it, into that character and it almost becomes real and you, you do get emotional I remember um, after that like I think it was when I turned 
around the time I turned heel, I had one last match with Raven as a baby face. And I got so emotional in the ring because the crowd were with me the whole way through. And it just kind of made me feel like I'm, I'm doing good in this match. Like I'm confident in this match and every move we hit, every moment we made just kind of hit home. And I found myself getting so emotional in the match because the crowd were so invested and they were so behind what we were doing. And you can't help but, you know, get emotional when you're finally getting that kind of pat on the back when something means that much to you, you know? Yeah, I'm always really um, interested in this kind of, when, when you really see emotion in a wrestling ring, because I think if you, you know, for those folks who don't really get wrestling or who kind of have that kind of quote unquote kind of kind of oh it's fake thing like they can't quite quite get it but like when you see real like for me there's the moments that really stayed with me in wrestling of moments where I've seen like real emotion like someone's retirement or someone winning a belt and it meaning the absolute world to them like is this this like there really is like true emotion in wrestling isn't there like it's really it's, it's quite powerful it's, it's a very powerful form actually and kind of really does create emotion for audiences and for the wrestlers themselves and they're really kind of those are some of the moments that stand out the most to me I think in, in wrestling definitely because it's not even like we all know like who's winning the championship who's getting the belt and stuff like that but it is significant in the sense that you're working so hard and someone trusts you to be the person you know to take to elevate their championship and you know elevate their promotion I mean it is like it's an honor someone believing in you that much that they think that you can you know take the promotion to the next level like and that's why I personally get emotional when I'm invested that much you know yeah. yeah does that resonate with you Shakara? so i was just thinking there like i i always feel weird about um like being told all right Shakara, like the belt's on you now or like even being asked to be in the main event like me and debbie we, we wrestled in um phoenix in yeah. and like it was the main event i was like like i was like oh my god like because first I, I never faced Debbie at the time, so I was like, oh my God, like, because obviously this is her home. And like, she, in that sense, was like, she's just, like, she, like she, 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 she's been blowing up and I'm just like, all right, okay, now I've got to prove myself. I'm always thinking about proving myself to people. So to be able to have the opportunity to wrestle her in the main event was really cool. But it's also a big honour in that sense. Like, so people that's been it been in it for like twenty years, like it's probably no big deal to them. Do you know what I mean? But for someone like me, like to be to be on a card is is is, is brilliant for me. But to be you know trusted to, to to close the show, regardless of how big or small the venue is or how big or small the promotion is, it's still it's an, it's an honor that I take pride in, and I like to be able to, to deliver to the best of my ability personally, and be able to come home and be like, wow, I put my best effort and I put my best foot forward in that. But when it comes to belts, stuff like that as well, or winning tournaments or, you know, whatever, I, I get so nervous. I get so worried. I get so like, oh, what are people are going to say this and that on Twitter? They're not going to like it. Da, da, da. And it's just like, now I've sort of learned, taught myself to just forget about that in the sense where it's like, the promoter trusts you. So now I need to trust myself. Mm -hmm. If no one likes that, then tough luck. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, um, I'm, I'm interested to know that you, that you wrestled each other. Is it, was it just the one time that you wrestled each other? Yeah. Who? What were the roles? Who was who was face and who was heel? Uh, Shikara was face and I was heel. 
Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what was the what was that like? Um obviously you I mean ideally don't slag each other off, but together <laughs> <laughs> <get> awkward. <laughs> I, I, I loved it. Like all like I always found myself getting compared to her because of and you know, we like to sell things like dramatically um you know we're very character based as well and i remember the promoter asking me you know is there anyone in particular that you'd like to bring in and i said yes definitely can we bring over shikara and the promoter was like yeah absolutely no problem and then when it was actually happening i was so excited because i i just love wrestling other women that are into the whole character thing as well yeah. and um I didn't expect this to be the main event at all. And it was actually Shakara that told me we were in the main event. <laughs> the two of us were like, okay. So um, yeah, like I, I absolutely loved that match. I'm so sad that that wasn't recorded and it's not on tape. And I know. I, know. I, I really enjoyed that match. That was my first kind of, you know, experience in a kind of an indie setting, doing an indie kind of match. Yeah. And um, I remember walking away going, yeah, like I can, I can definitely go. Like I, I'm, I like, I would absolutely love to wrestle you again. <laughs> when, when was that? The, when was the match? This time last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This time so last week. It was not that long ago in, in the scheme of things. In COVID times, it was literally yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm interested in that, uh, Debbie, you mentioned selling, because that was one thing that I can definitely see that the two of you have in common. So what, and this is a question for both of you, maybe starting with Debbie, what, what makes a good seller and why is selling so important? Maybe Debbie, if you could talk about selling from a from a heel perspective, and Shakara from a babyface perspective. That's fine. Sure. Like when you think about it as a heel, you're not you're not kind of doing much apart from reacting to what the babyface is doing. So being able being able to sell for them only makes them look better, makes their moves look better. But being able to do it kind of dramatically and with your character as well just kind of sets you aside from everyone else. Like everyone knows how to take a punch, but why don't we make that punch memorable? Mm. You know, that kind of way. So like when you look at the likes of like Mr. Perfect or Mankind or like Goldust, they always go the extra mile when it comes to taking something that's a signature move from their opponent so instead of just kind of you know you know hiding behind your arms or like just doing a generic sell why why not make a moment and make something out of it you know something that's i suppose gifable we're in that kind of world now where everything is gift and recorded and stuff so mm -hmm. i don't know i just i think it just makes things better being able to create a moment out of you know something could have been as so small as like a forearm or a kick or something like that but how you sell it makes it like oh my god that actually really hurt you know it's about sucking people in because you're not just selling the move you're selling and yourself as a character you know how would debbie take a slap you know for for baby face I found that it was really important to make sure like my, like the role that I'm in as a baby face now is to make sure that I am getting messed up and that I look like that. So that when it comes to the time when I'm, I'm ready to fight back and I'm ready to pop off, they believe it. They're like, Oh my God, they're, they're, they're getting enticed. They're getting like, is she going to get back up? Is she really going to do it? And as, and as long as the, as long as the heel really digs in and, you know, 
gets gets that gets the people feeling sorry for me my reactions my selling my facials will be able to sell that and carry that forward like as all I, all it takes is, is for one kid to see me in the crowd and my face is broken i'm nearly in tears <laughs> you know what i mean in that like in, in obviously in a more of a dramatic sense but once that kid sees that and then that kid looks at their dad and their dad looks at me and then that looks at his wife and then his wife looks at me then everyone's thinking oh my god is she even gonna get back up and then when i when that crowd you know is, is now trying to get behind me and doing the caps and i can feel it happening that's the time we're ready to go then as soon as as soon as i come back up and it's my comeback now the payoff is there the payoff happens because now they're cheering for me in a sense where it's like yes they're finally getting on top of the bad guy and also it's another cheer because she did it because the hill the, the bad guy really beat me up so that's everybody surprised in that sense in a more realistic term but yeah that's how i see it don't it made sense yeah 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 <laughs> like yeah. i talked rubbish but i think i made sense <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I could it was almost like a, a baby face comeback just in your description. Yeah. <laughs> I could see it. I was there. I was, I was in the audience. I'm trying to have you guys in my brain. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? That's how I thought I'm like I'm thinking like I'm thinking the rock and Steve Austin. That's how I see it. But in like Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the best quotes I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm quite inter I'm interested in that actually because um, it, it kind of brought to mind something that Debbie said very early on and I'm wondering this is kind of a question for both of you how much do you kind of think about a match before it's going to happen like and how do you think about it so like earlier Debbie we talked about the cinematic and your kind of interest in film and stuff like that so I wonder like going into a big match or going into, yeah, like a big match in OTT or something like that. You know, are you kind of picturing what that match is going to look like in your head beforehand? Definitely. Like first thing I do is, right, if I'm going into a call match, if it's something that doesn't have much of a build up or a story behind it, right, how can I make a story out of nothing? And that's generally when what I use Twitter for is to kind of create a background story. Or um, if there is a story behind it and there is a few there, I always kind of envision, you know, how far we've come so far. Can we, you know, can we do a throwback to matches that we did before where there was a moment, but switch it? You know, people think this is going to happen, but we'll switch it and the opposite happens, you know? I always kind of think, you know, what What would the audience be waiting for? What are the audience expecting to happen? And then try and do the complete opposite. Shikara, same question. So for, for me personally, like, I think with, was it, is it a, a baby face you mean? Either, just that, yeah, how, how do you kind of start thinking about matches and, and do you do you envision the match? Like, do you kind of watch it as if you were watching a film in your head before? There's processes in my head, hence why I asked, because, like, as a heel, um, well, more, more before I started becoming a babyface, I was just starting out. As a heel, um, I was really... Um... Oh, sorry, my alarm for my tablet went off. Oh, no. <laughs> sorry. I'm all over the gap. Um... Whenever, so I don't think I got a rule right that I don't think about matches 
um, until the until two days before. So there's always a, a two days um, grace period where then I just start digging into deep. So if, depending on who I face, like I, when I faced um, Debbie, like I was doing all of the research. Like I stalked, right? I stalked you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to look at and that's in, like in a non-weird way, but I was just looking at all our matches, trying to be familiar, trying to become prepared. I like to become prepared. I love being prepared. I hate not being prepared. And like, because I don't know, I just feel like if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm, and I'm like, oh, well, I don't know, mate. It just seems really like, I don't know. I just feel weird about it. So I come prepared. And then I always think about, all right, so if we, do, I, I, might, I might think of a spot that we could do. And I might um, like suggest to whoever. And I'd be like, how about this? But this is how I see it to happen. And they're like, oh my God, yeah. And like, they get really excited about it. Um, and I like to come in with that sort of notion. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's, I just like to come in with a few ideas. Um, and, I, and with the ideas that it comes to re- like the thinking of how the crowd will react to it. And I have more time because when, when, you're, when you're there on the day of the show and you're trying to prepare everything, on the day of the show, I get too nervous. I can't do it. Like, cause, cause, cause I don't have time to think about the reactions of people. Like, cause like, a, a, let's say a, a spot might work, a spot might work, but would it work in the context of where, whether the, the crowd would react to it that well? I, I think I matches it on a third party basis. I think, would I enjoy it? Would I like it? Would it, would, would that make sense in my head if I was a, if I, if I was a fan? And then I go from there. So that's how I think fan based. It's all about the fans in their days. They're paying for it to watch. So I've got a better thing like them too. Well, they won't come back. That's such a kind of theatrical way of looking at it as well. Like that you, you actually start with your audience as opposed to necessarily with the performance. Yeah, I love that. As a performance, like you think more about like, well, you, you can kind of manage to get that kind of external eye. That's a really theatrical way of doing it. Like if you're in, in rehearsal, like for a third show or something, you're constantly thinking about where you're, well, you should be anyways, constantly think about where your audience is and what they're going to, what they're going to be seeing and sight lines and all these sorts of things that I feel like wrestlers think a lot about as well. Like, like just as you're talking, I'm like, this is, this is exactly how we would work in the studio if I was creating a piece of theater exactly the same way. Like what, what is the audience going to be feeling? What do I want my audience to be feeling at this moment? How are they going to respond? It's kind of so interesting to me that the crossover there. It's like I love see me. I love a good. I love a good exchange, as Debbie might know. I love a good exchange. I've known from my state. I love it. I'm just. I'm just like literally. I am a sucker for him. So like, but there's no point me doing exchange in like you know like headbutts and super kicks and da, 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 da. no point me doing all that on a kids show because yeah. they ain't gonna get it. They won't understand. But if I if I go and but like. If I if if I didn't think about my audience and thought, you know what, I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna go full indie, I'm just gonna do all the super kicks, power bump for top rope, I'm gonna do ten dives, I can't dive, but I'm gonna do ten dives, da, 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 right? But it's a kids show and I've got ten minutes. <laughs> what I'm doing now is I'm now being selfish because I'm doing instead of doing what I like to do, I'm not thinking about the people that are paying money to come and see me, mm-hmm. and I'm not, and therefore I'm not, I'm not, um, what's the word? I'm not um for my audience so i'm not mm. i'm not designed I'm not, not what's the what's the word guys i've got a few people here no one's helping me <laughs> <laughs> well it's about generosity isn't it it's about like it's well, about having like a generosity of spirit like that you perform in a, in a generous way i guess that's not the word <laughs> <laughs> give us a clue give us a clue <laughs> if if i so let's say i do indie spots 
on a kids show which and I, it's too so let, let me say okay i do a very complicated match on a kids show that's selfish because i'm not targeting my audience there we go there we go Target. <laughs> yeah. there we go guys thanks for the help yeah. no, <laughs> know your market know your audience know yeah. your audience that's exactly what i meant as well yeah, yeah. exactly what i meant <laughs> thanks guys <laughs> And we're getting towards our um, towards the end, actually. Um, so I want to maybe have a talk about what what your hopes are for when wrestling comes back, if wrestling comes back. Like, and just in general, how are you how are you guys are feeling about being being away from wrestling for so long? Um, is it are you kind of biting at the bit to get back? Are you just you know, taking time away and enjoying the fact that you can take time away? Or? Um, I think at first, because um, I was kind of on a bit of a roll, like my last, my last match was actually working with you guys at Resurgence. And um, I kind of, I saw my calendar for the rest of the year and I just when I realized that that wasn't going to happen, like obviously you hit kind of a low, but you, you have to find the positives and everything. You have to find the silver lining because otherwise you're just, you're just in a dark place and it's just not healthy. So I kind of tried to look at the positives and, you know, you know, getting a better sleeping pattern, you know, taking time to just do nothing for a change instead of trying to do 10 things at the one time, working, wrestling, training, gym, and the first couple of months were really hard because I was so used to being like an energizer bunny, just kind of going from one place to the other and then being told that like, you, you cannot do anything. You cannot leave your house for three months. And it's just, when you think about it like that, it's so daunting, but you know, my back pain is gone. My leg has healed. My neck has healed. Like there's definitely been some advantages and obviously with the levels changing and, you know, in and out of lockdown, I've had opportunities to, to train. And like, when you think you're going back, you're like, Oh my God, the first pump is going to be so hard. And you get in and you're like bumping and bumping and you love it. And like things just feel better. Things are smoother. And it's because you took that time to rest. So like there's definitely been, benefits to it but I think when it kind of came around then to the kind of speaking out movement once like once we kind of got through that I'm not going to say got through it but I suppose when things kind of calmed down a little bit I just could not see wrestling at all I just it didn't exist I didn't want to be a part of it I didn't want to know about it and I just took a complete break for the rest of the summer I just I just couldn't see past all the horrific things I had read and seen and, you know, been involved in, in this business, you know, and it just, the break mentally definitely was needed, like a time to recharge. I still, I still like, we're obviously in a pandemic and everything like that. So it's still very difficult to see ahead and look towards the future and picture what that's going to be like. So I think I've personally just been taking it week by week and, you know, as levels changed and I suppose we just have to wait until next year. I'm just trying not to think about it until I have to think about it. So I'm just allowing my time myself to just, you know, take it week by week. Um, with me, um, I've just been like just chilling, like doing a lot of sleeping um relaxing that's all i've been doing to be honest and just like thinking about 
just being positive, you know, like, um, like resting will come back and it'll come back when it, when it, when it will, when it needs to, when it's safe to do so, um, when everyone's safe. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it's just time at this, mo- at, at, at this point. Um, and it's the best thing to do while we have this time is just to become best versions of ourselves. So when we do come back, we're that we are, you know, better than we were when pre-lockdown. And that's and that's and that's that's my that's how I see it anyway. I think just take it as a a good rest, take it as a time to learn and refresh and love resting again. And yeah, that's what I that's that that's what I've been doing to be honest. Just refreshing myself. I think there's some some very wise words there to to maybe end the podcast on actually. That was uh, yeah really interesting from both of you. I could, certainly can appreciate that feeling of um, yeah of of the absence of wrestling. Um, Claire, you. Yeah, no, I agree. I think like just I, I'm really struck by both of like your comments at the end here just about because I think I imagine you to go. I, th- I think I was going to imagine that you were both going to go. We totally miss it and we need to be back in the ring immediately. And it's been terrible. Um, but I, <laughs> but, um, but I, 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 I think it's I think like it's super wise to think actually like come just like taking your final point there, Chikara, about like coming back and being better versions of ourselves. Like, mm. you know, the. I've been kind of thinking over this whole lockdown period about like you know that whole that old adage about like what does a farmer do when it rains and like he sharpens his tools like this is the rainy period and like what what are you doing to kind of sharpen the tools and I think that for both of you it seems to me that like you're doing a, a great job of like kind of keep like sharpening those tools so that when you come back it'll be it'll be even better and we'll look forward to yeah look we've just looked forward to wrestling and and being and being even better into the future yeah yeah cool okay well thank you both for joining us uh, this evening it's been really really fascinating i've particularly enjoyed discussing characters and personalities and different aspects of your performance practices and it's been really kind of illuminating to hear those hear those different perspectives um and just to listeners i would definitely go out and check out some of the matches that we've talked about you can get um I don't know if OCT, I assume, probably have some kind of free trial on demand type thing. Yeah, um, I think there's a seven day free trial there at the moment. Yeah, Eve have got a seven day free trial as well. So there's lots of um, Debbie Cartel matches on both of those platforms. Um, I know Riptide and Resurgence are both on internet wrestling, t- uh, independent wrestling TV. And I, I searched Shikara on independent wrestling TV and lots of Resurgence and Riptide matches came up. <laughs> And I think, I think you, and there's a, probably a few Eve matches as well, Shakara. Is that right? Uh, um, I'm not, I don't, I don't know about Eve. I think maybe no. a few. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure how much Eve stuff's about. I know that I think they're doing this like the deleting stuff now. I'm not even sure. But anyway, but there'll be a lot of right. Riptide and resurgence stuff. So yeah. Yeah. So Sam was saying, Shakara, that actually there's uh, that you have the record for the for the number of. Um, appearances on resurgent shows, so apparently you you hold the record, so it's pretty, pretty I, impressive. I, I that record too. Hey Sam, <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What? I didn't hear that bit. It'd be a real shame if I, that record was lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got you know Deb, Debbie made her debut at the last show, so you know, watch out. 
<laughs> Although you did win the Rumble, so I think that uh, cements your future. Yeah, yeah she threw me out. It's <laughs> <laughs> all blurred now. It's so hot. It's all just a blur. <laughs> okay, well, we look forward to working with both of you in the future. I'm sure we'll see both of you in Resurgence Ring. Um, and yeah, thanks again for, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Cool. Cool. That's where. Yeah, yeah that's where I'll yeah. stop it. I don't know how that awkward bit at the end is like, have you stopped? <laughs> stop <laughs> Sam and I just create awkward moments and pug out like, we, <laughs> this is basically how we do things. Like, we didn't have a start. We just have kind of a, we just enter into Did you hear that? Yeah. yeah. Now, how are you hearing that? Sorry, guys. I put it on D&D. So I'm, I'm obviously so popular. But <laughs> not really. But, oh, sorry, guys. This will, this will probably be the point that I edit it and we'll finish on this bit. <laughs> Put in the clips, the bit that didn't get the the, the, the stuff you didn't hear, and you hear all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, thanks again, guys. That was that was really interesting. Yeah, it was really, really cool. That. Thanks so much. No problem at all. Thank you so much. Yeah, good to chat okay. to you both. Yeah, take care. Take care. Right. Guys. Have a good night. See you later. Bye. Bye. Awkward now, it. Sorry, I'm even. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. That yeah. was good. <laughs> <laughs>